0: two short seasons of podcasting experience, and I'm having such a great time growing blended on the bluff. In season three, I go deeper into specific tools that will help you blend beautifully together. What's something that you don't put on your business bio? How about this? I was divorced three times. My mom divorced when I was six, remarried when I was seven. Then she divorced when I was 12. My mom remarried when I was 13. Again, she divorced when I was 19. That's my recent guest, Marie Max' experience of growing up in stepfamily life. So for those of you who are blending for the first time in experiencing the complexities and the challenges of adapting into a new environment, I want to give you hope here and encourage you to listen all the way through this podcast where Marie shared so many nuggets from a stepkid's perspective with the wisdom now of being an adult. She has an innate gift for adapting to a situation, and she has skills that she would tell you are necessary for her success that are this framework that she uses to really live a beautifully blended life. It was so interesting to talk to her and also learn about her defining moment on a typical Wednesday afternoon. Please join me in welcoming Marie Mack to The Bluff today. All right. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Blended on The Bluff. I'm really pleased to announce my guest, Marie Mack. She's a business systems expert an online events manager, and she runs a business where I just love the name. It's First Cup to Close, Uh, because it just makes me think of sitting in a coffee shop, having a conversation, sharing a story to say, gosh, I'm really, I'm looking for somebody who does this kind of thing. And then you're sharing a cup of joe with somebody who does this thing. And then she walks you all the way through. So it turns out to be a lovely conversation followed by several cups of coffee (laughs) (laughs) and a plan, a plan that develops. So Marie, welcome to the bluff. I'm really pleased to have you.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be, um, you know, a guest here and to have your focus for a little bit. You are such a busy and amazing woman. And I'm so thankful that, um, you know, as we're preparing for this, that we're just in a space to serve others and that you've allowed me to jump in and tell my story in a new and unique way. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. So instead of you talking about online events, uh, we are going to use some of your life experiences to share a step kids perspective. And I'm going to look at my notes here and remind myself of your step kid qualifications. So if you are in a blended family right now, or you're thinking about blending or you're thinking about ending the blending, <laughs> this show is actually to inspire you to blend beautifully together and acknowledging that it's complex and that it um, it's humbling <laughs> It requires a lot of time on your knees. It, did I say humbling? Yeah, it's humbling. Yes. Forgiveness is definitely required. And I'm showing up on this podcast today in full truth that I have been clobbered with spiritual warfare uh, just coming off a challenge. that says, hey, step family mission possible. And in my home right now, it feels anything but mission possible just feels the flip. And yet- <clears throat> We go pro because we—that's what we do—and Marie and I can relate to that because, as servant leaders, we know that there are lots of things that we do, even when they don't—it doesn't feel good. So here we are to share a little bit about uh, what Marie can offer to give you hope and encouragement. And if you are a step kid, I, I hope you really pay attention to this because uh, she's going to let you know that uh, there is a way out. There is a way to enjoy your blended life Mm -hmm. and the qualifications that she brings to this conversation from that experience is not blending once or twice or three times. So I have a note that uh, your mom married and divorced when you were six, remarried when you were seven, divorced when you were 12, remarried when you were 13, and divorced when you were 19. So (laughs) do tell, do tell. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Absolutely. well, you know, I um, when I think of these qualifications, it's not something that I put on my business bio. I'm gonna be honest. Um, but it does help me to, understand moving in and out of blended families and what that can do for an adaptability of a child. Um, I am the oldest of four. So my siblings and I have been in and out of these different relationships with our parents. Um, My youngest brother is actually my half brother. So he was that second marriage for my mom. Um, And then we had that third stepdad who came in um, and they had a beautiful life together, but also chose at 19, my I was 19 um, to end their marriage. And my mom has not married again since. So um, the beautiful thing with that is that I've seen a lot of different um, relationships build in a beautiful way. and then also people being very honest, with who they are, like my mom with my dad, my mom with my um, both of my stepdads, and being honest who they are and what is best for the family overall. Every decision I was very confident um, was to make the family better in whatever way they felt was appropriate at the time. Um, and so I think that that's kind of an interesting qualification, I guess, to feel as a stepkid <laughs> to come into um, this conversation and just understand that um, it's it's a it's a road that as a stepchild has been very very um, interesting, but also created a, a space in my life to love multiple different people, um, stepmoms, stepdads, um, brothers, stepbrothers, stepsisters, and learn from them all along the way, which I think is super helpful. So. Gosh, so many things are popping off in my brain right now. (laughs) (laughs) I could go down so many different roads. so many rabbit holes with my life, Jen. It's good. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, I I think it would be good to focus in on this adaptability. And the, the reason for that is one, to give hope. So definitely, I'm always wanting to give hope that things will transition. So if step families are in a tough spot right now, it's not always gonna be that way, even though you can't envision that you're gonna get out. Cause when you're stuck, it sucks in the stuck. <laughs> we don't like it, it doesn't feel good. Uh, and there's this spiral effect too, where then everything else falls in line with this confirmation bias, right? That, oh, everything sucks now. Uh, But you have used the skills in blending on multiple occasions that you've turned those into some really hot assets in running your business. And you have a program out there that we'll talk about just referenced throughout the podcast, I know, because it's so applicable to adaptability. And mm-hmm. so as the queen of adaptability, that's what I'm thinking of you as right now, uh, you have this workf- workflow foundations course, and mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and put yeah. reference to it in the podcast notes uh, so people can go ahead and take a look at it and uh, learn from it. But when you and I did the prep work for the podcast, I said, oh my gosh, Marie, that's you got to talk about how that what that is. And then we're just going to put it in the jello mold of blended and see what we come up with.
1: <laughs> right. Absolutely. When we were talking about this and what Workflow Foundations is in itself, I didn't, it, it was like this little epiphany that came up that it was like, how in the world did I put this together? In my mind, you know, as an adult, a couple years ago, when I created this three part training, um, it just flowed. It was just like, yes, this is the way that things need to go. Um, and then as we were talking about our conversation today, I was like, why is this a thing? Well, this is a thing because I'm accepted. Like it is directly related to the fact that I have adaptability and there are certain things that I've created inside of my life um, and that now work inside of multiple businesses out there in the world, in the online world space um, and using it consistently, not only for myself and my business, using it for other businesses and inside of my family. So my mom now uses the same framework. Um, my children now use the same framework in their way to create a consistency inside of life. And I think that that adaptability came in Um, Because as a step kid, especially moving in and out of different relationships, um, fostering new relationships, you know, learning to, to learning more about the others that are inside of your life. Not only like I had my stepdad and my step siblings, but I had their grandparents and what is their relationship with me. Um, It created a space specifically inside of um, my everyday where I needed to make sure I didn't miss out on the things that were important. So in the Workflow Foundations training, the first section, the first training we talk about is this brain dump. Um, and this comes in a lot, especially right now. I'm, I'm working with my son through this, but there are so many things that happen inside of a stepkid's brain um, that sometimes we just need to get it out. And, and this is the same thing with any Any entrepreneur out there or any family, there's things that you just need to put down on paper and work through later because there's something that's more pressing right now. And so if you're working through, you know, maybe it's, it's blending or unblending or whatever it might be, there are certain things you don't want to forget. So in workflow foundations, we start with just this brain dump and I like to put everything out there, making sure I don't forget anything and then set aside a specific time to work on those things. Does that make sense?
0: Uh huh. It does make sense, and in fact, it reminds me of a podcast that I did with Rachel Bailey. So she does the yuck dump. <laughs> so yeah. she does uh, she does parenting for the long term, and I think what you're saying is, is is echoing that episode that I did with Rachel in this way that we so often want this quick fix, and yet I'm hearing the work. And the time and the commitment in what you're describing as far as this dump. So she would call it the yuck dump. You got to get all your yuck out.
1: (laughs) It is the yuck, but then it's also prioritizing your time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, and especially as relationships are building or as they're, you know, adjusting in some way, there are priorities of time. And that's what my thought is, is my thought is, is my priority of time At a certain point was to develop a relationship with my stepdad. So that just meant, you know, we would go on a walk Um, and maybe we go when I had my mom was married the third time I was learning to drive. So I would go with my stepdad and we would go drive around. It's important at that point that I make that a priority. It doesn't mean that my homework's not getting done in high school Um, And those priorities are put inside of a space where I don't forget them. So although, yeah, it's the yuck dump, it's also kind of creating a priority in your life where things might change. It might adjust. Like I might not have ever had to have this priority of developing a relationship with my stepdad. If my parents, they weren't married again, does that make sense? Like I, I'm creating priorities around that same thing with like, creating priorities around, um, making sure my mom is okay. You know, as a step, the oldest child, um, I, I, I had this constant want and desire and, uh, innate need, I guess, to make sure that my mom is okay because she was moving in and out of a lot of emotional things. And then she was also making sure each one of her four children were moving healthy through them as well. Um, and so, Making that extra time and saying, okay, it's important for me to check in on my mom. Even now, my mom's not married. I'm her primary person who checks in on her. And that's a priority for me. So when I'm thinking about this brain dump space, it's more like, how do I add in all of the priorities and make sure that I'm putting those that are important at the top? Um, and prioritizing some of the smaller things inside of there and then not being overwhelmed by the fact that, yes, there's going to be a to-do list, but I can move through them in a healthy way and make sure everything gets done without feeling overwhelmed or trying to keep it all in my brain because that was my biggest thing. Like I kept trying to keep it all in my brain and I just, there was too many moving pieces around it. So Um, being a step kid, being adaptable, I just started creating this list of priorities and then adding one, two, three, four, all the way down and crossing them off. So um, it it really helps now inside of a business to help people move through different steps. And then it helps my family because I can, I can almost like do all of those lessons for them beforehand and say, Hey, look what I did, you know, adapted to your own space. And Um, Now my kids can use that a a little bit better. So I hope that all makes sense. Do you
0: think that we should have warned everyone at the beginning that you and I are lovers of lists as in (laughs) on steroids? Maybe we should have put that
1: (laughs) disclosure in there. (laughs) The Google folder that Jed and I work in is awesome. Anybody that could ever... (laughs) Uh, this is like a small tangent. I was talking with a lady this morning, but she was talking about different organ, different leaders. And this is kind of, this goes along with it, but different types of leaders. There are some people who are um, spontaneous, she called them, really high highs, really low lows, really high highs, really low lows. She called us, which I think you're like, I am analytical. Nope, we're going to take this path and we're going to do this stuff and then we're going to go to there and blah, 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 blah. And we blend so well with other people in um, other industries because of that. Like we're able to help those and you probably find it inside of relationships as well, right? So my husband is a spontaneous person. Up, down, up, up, down, up, down, up, down. Okay, but we kind of keep this like, we keep this this level headedness in my relationship anyway. We keep this consistency along the way. My mom, a spontaneous person, up, down, I am the level-headedness. So it's like you're almost creating this space and this adaptability of this, like, if we're talking, coming back to our conversation, but as a child who was in and out of all of these relationships, being that adaptable person required me to say, I am, I'm the driver of this train. And those people that I'm, I'm working with can, I I can guide them as needed, understand that they're going to maybe come in and out depending on what they need, but I'm going to be this consistency. So, um, I don't know. I, I I believe I was put here for that. Um, but also understanding that my power is something that brings a lot to a family that had a lot of ins and outs and ups and downs. So, yeah,
0: yeah, I think I mean, there's definitely something to birth order, right? Science oh, yeah. demonstrates <laughs> there's something to birth order, but God gave you these gifts that make you uniquely you. And I, I've i got a couple of things that I want to go to, but I'm going to wait. I am practicing this focus. So there are three areas <laughs> in yes. this workflow foundation. So we've talked about one of them, mm-hmm. which is this organization, really, that you were talking about. This dump of putting everything out on paper and the importance of prioritization. So mm-hmm. let's go to the next thing.
1: Yeah, I think it kind of goes in there. So this prioritization, we have this brain dump of how we're going to get things done, the prioritization and the organization of how your days look is that second part. So right. what I've done inside of the second part of the training is I've just looked at saying, okay, there are things that are consistent over and over again. If you're a step kid, you're going to school, or if you're virtual, whatever, you still have things you have to do over and over and over again. Um, and that's, that's consistency. Um, and, It's easy enough for you to create a consistent schedule inside of your life to lean on when things are not consistent, if that makes sense. My biggest thing with creating this consistency is I have a story that will relate to a bunch of our listeners for sure, but I have this story where I create a consistent daily schedule. I always am doing the same thing in the morning um, for my work. For myself, lifestyle wise, um, I do the same thing over and over again. Um, A couple at the end of last year, randomly one morning we woke up and a tree fell on our truck, totally derailed the entire day, had no idea. Only thing I did is I went and looked at my list that I do consistency consistently. I looked at the top three items on that list and those are the only things I did for that day. What had happened then is is that I was able to go focus on this really big, unexpected, something crazy thing that happened, but my business was still moving forward. My family was still moving forward because I I had already planned out on what was going to happen that day, weeks ahead of time. And if it can't happen weeks ahead of time, at least the day before, before I went to bed, I knew tomorrow morning, this is what needs to happen. I spent an hour, my business kept going. We did all the things we had to do, the important things. And then we were able to look at this emergency situation This can happen the same time inside of families, right? Sometimes things need to be addressed. You know, we have people that can't think about boundaries maybe, or don't necessarily understand that we're having a family night tonight and they need a conversation the next morning. Those become the priorities, but now you know of the things that you have to stay in. So the brain dump kind of works into this daily priorities situation where you can always have um, consistency inside of your days and this goes along with any lifestyle, I'd say, if you're a stay-at-home mom and this is all you're doing, you still have things that have to happen. My mother-in-law is, has been a stay-at-home mom for almost 40 years. Mondays is wash day. No questions asked. It's going to happen. So she knows on Mondays it's going to happen. And that's the important things for her. It's the routine of making things consistently inside of her life. So um, that's the second phase of that training.
0: Yeah. And I want to jump on that and say uh, that that consistency in a family dynamic, that there's a lot of inconsistency is so powerful. So I think about people have all these different custody exchanges. Some are every other week, some are, they've got three nights where they're with one parent and then four nights with the other. And then that switches how do you move the homework how do you make sure they get to their events that they're in uh, how do you how do you develop consistency or ground rules if you will when the kids are going back and forth in between houses so i know that step families are definitely struggling in that area if they don't have a routine so here's what i heard while you were talking i heard all those people plus the neighbor with their snow blower <laughs> going. This is COVID life people. This is COVID life. (laughs) (laughs) All the things, (laughs) but I, I, I hear these people saying, but Marie, I don't, I don't plan. Like that's not for me. That's not what I do. And I, I say this, if anybody has listened to this podcast for any amount of time, they know that I love planned spontaneity. So they know I'm in your corner as far as like list baby. I am a planner evangelist. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) <laughs> but for those people out there that say, uh, that's not that's not what I do, uh, how can that help them? How can they develop that habit, perhaps, of deciding that even though I may not like this, this is actually a beneficial thing for me to do?
1: Yeah. So when I talk with people now, especially with business owners, but I've talked with definitely many people inside of my family that have helped them organize their days, their times, their life, I always think about, How does it feel on a day that you get up and you stay consistent and you're moving through a routine? Maybe it doesn't happen all the time, but on the days that it does, how does that make you feel? And I go back to that inner feeling of they usually feel productive. They usually feel like they're working in their genius. They usually feel like they did the right thing that day. They usually have this positive feeling about what happened. And then I take them through an exercise. Okay, think about a day that you got just got up and you just let the world take you in, and you just went around, and you just decided, and you waited till ten thirty to wake up, and the kids had crying, and you know whatever might have gone on. The, the dog, you were late for an appointment. You can get out the door. All the things happen, and how do you feel through that? And usually, it's it's despair, it's frustration, it's like I don't want to do this today. And do we like that feeling? The answer is typically no, it's not. I work best and thankfully I have a husband that works best as well. We work best in the morning, which means I prioritize me in the morning. At six o'clock, I'm doing a workout. End of story. I don't get on any meetings before eight o'clock in the morning. And I have the time before, you know, right after workout, right after, you know, I spend some time with my family, do my own internal studies, my meditations, my Bible studies. I take all of that on before eight o'clock in the morning. And I do it because that's, what's going to set me up best for life. Sure. Some mornings just don't want to. I don't want to. My daughter's eight. She still sometimes snuggles up with me in the bed early in the morning and just want to stay there forever. And she's all great. And then I miss out on my workout. And then I'm like, I'm really rushed. I'm just going to read just this one passage and I'm just going to do five minutes and I'll just be fine. And then I'm going to get on a meeting while I'm five minutes late. And I really didn't do my hair. And how does that feel? It doesn't feel good. And why am I going to consistently do something that doesn't feel good? So with people that are not necessarily those people that want to stay in a consistent thing, i just say write out something that's a standard for your morning, write out your ideal day, how you would like it to go, and then work towards that every time. If you write out your ideal day and you have it posted somewhere, whether it's on your desk, or whether it's on your phone or whatever you're seeing, you're gonna naturally work towards it. And it becomes a space where you're really enjoying the time that you have in this world, the time that you have with the people that are around you and i think that that is the biggest mindset shift on how to get there is just that feeling that you want to have consistency consistently inside of life
0: you know i think that what that what i hear there is boundaries and so okay. you're focused on you're focused on the outcome that you want not the work that's required to get there and oftentimes in our reptilian brains we panic and say but i don't i don't know the how i don't know how to blend beautifully i don't even know what that means because it just, I'm, I'm in this hurt place, or I'm in this chaotic place because I haven't planned. And so, I, I believe in the power of a vision, and Scripture emphasizes that over and over again. Without a vision, the people perish. And I, I don't want to perish. I need, I need a vision. I need a goal. I need direction. And so, for me, what I hear you saying is that these boundaries, these Typical day patterns that you're encouraging people to establish. They actually empower you to greatness. They don't restrict you. And yet when we're told we have to do something, we often, we often feel, uh, we, we want to rebel against that because then we, well we're constricted, we can't be flexible. And yet your tree falling is a great example of, it's not exactly true. It's just, it's like the true North, uh, the compass, it's the word that we go back to when things go cattywampus. Okay. What does God say about this? Cause this, this is, this is, a tough one. So let me go back to the plumb line and get oriented again. And so for those in the audience who are rebelling against this piece of advice, I'm going to, I'm going to remind you and encourage you to think about this, that there is an outcome that you want. And so there, it does involve work to get from where you are to where you want to go. And so, in this envisioning this outcome, this direction that you want to go, forget about the how for a minute and just think about regular things, easier things that you can do. So, establish this these are the things that are important to me. So, it really goes back to your first step, what you were saying, right? In this first and second, this prioritization of what's important to me, peace in my house is important. So how do I get there, right? What does that look like? And um, taking the time, I hear that woven in what you're saying too, that it actually does take time to sit so that our brains can think and come up with alternatives. I know with the work that you and I were doing this past week together, there were so many things that came up in what I was doing that I did not foresee I didn't even know. And there were lots of gems in there that came up that were really good for me and good for my business. But I had an outcome in mind. So, because I had an outcome in mind, I kept moving towards that outcome without necessarily understanding the how. And the how turned out to be really beautiful in the nuggets of wisdom that I received along the way. So, just a note of encouragement out there for those of you who just want to fly by the seat of your pants you can within a certain framework that you set up for you and your family.
1: (laughs) Well, and I think especially when you're, um, you know, if you are, are, you're the only one in your life, maybe you're a single person and you have nobody else in your life. I feel like, yes, you can do the seat of your pants a little bit better. We're not talking with those people. We're talking with people that not only have, you know, a a blended family, but you have a blended family who extends out to other people and your circle, thankfully has grown bigger and you're able to serve and and love on those people more. But there also is other, um, there are other considerations because of that. And I think it's it's good. And it's also, I I mean, Jenny and I were talking about this. We are leaders in our very right um, as our personality And I feel like if, if those that are listening feel that way as well, it's our, um, it's our privilege to guide people towards that and to encourage them to find this consistency within life. Um, like with my mom, she was in a really inconsistent place for many, many years. She didn't feel like she was worthy. She couldn't keep a husband. We'll say, you know, Whatever that might be, wherever her place were, she was in an up and down consistently. And when she started working with me inside of my business um, five years ago, I was just like, let me be your consistently. Let me be that, that consistent space that you can see this does work over and over again. And thankfully, you know, it, it took her years. I'll be very honest. It took her years to finally get it. Last year, she came to me. She's like, you've been telling me this all along. I was like, you're Right. And I'm so excited that now you found it, you know, maybe I, yes, I have been saying it over and over again, but now that you've seen it for whatever reason, God put this thing in your time, in your life at this time. And yes, the light bulb went off. Now, all I can do is say, this is what works best for me. And I find that it c- keeps a peace inside of my life, inside of those that I serve on a multiple aspects. My, my clients are those people that I serve. I can affect not only my clients, but my clients' husbands. I can affect my clients' childrens because children because of the way that I um, present myself. And that's another aspect, you know, in, 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 an, in an additional thing that I want with workflow foundations is just keep saying, the more that I say it and the more that I share with my passion for it, the easier. And at some point it's going to click with somebody. It's going to click with somebody. And then I can, I don't even know who that person is, but maybe they'll see something of mine and then it'll click for them. And now they're serving in a bigger way. Like that's my biggest goal with life. Um, And I don't know how that's going to work because it's not my plan. You know, I'm just a a space inside of here and I want to do the best I can. Um, And Workflow Foundations is that. So I think we have one more spot to talk about. Do you ready for that? Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. I'm ready for it.
1: Okay, so the last part of this training is about creating. um, We call them SOPs, so standard operating procedures. Inside of business, that sounds really, really formal. But inside of family, the way that I want to think about this is the consistency between. As Jen was talking about earlier, kids are moving from here. How do they get their homework? You know, what kind of appointments are happening? Are they on this side of the city or on that side of the city? Who needs to go to the doctor? Who needs to go to the dentist? You know, when are court hearings? What happens when grandparents want to visit? Holidays. Oof. Um, is those kind of thi- Bills. Uh, how do we, all of these different things that happen consistently, consistently in life that we need to document, those are our SOPs. And so for me, inside of my SOP section on um, Workflow Foundations with my family is how we do um, bills, for example. How, how do we pay all the things that... Have to go out. Who's paying rent? What account is it coming from? How do we do that? Now, my husband's a beautiful and a wonderful person, but he has probably never looked at this. So, if something happens to me, I don't know what to do. You know, all I can do is document it, and I can leave it in a space where I know he can find it. Um, I do the same thing for my mom inside of my business. This is where you go to find these things. This is where this is happening um, with my kids and their. Uh, I'm thankful that their grandparents are very, very involved. But that means I have to say, here is the plan on what's going to happen with school. We homeschool our kids, which means they can go and they can come in and out of different families over and over again. But that means the plan goes with them. And so inside of the workflow foundation space, what I have is I just have the standard operating procedure, how to get into different programs if needed. You know, my kids take classes on out school. What is the login information for that? I can document all of those things and have it in a a space that is a resource for anybody that has access to this specific, um, where I have this all built is inside of Trello. It's a free space that people can go into. It's a project management space. Um, And I use that SOP, that asset section to make sure everybody's on the same page. So in a blended family, you know, your family and your step families, family, however it might be, they can all be on the same space and know where to find information without frustration or 10 o'clock text messages. Did Billy put his thing here at the right time? I don't know. It's checked off. It's done. Like you can see it right there. So I think creating that consistent space for people to converse and to know where to find information takes a lot of anxiety away from things that are going to move around I think my biggest, my biggest thing with creating a plan like this is we can predict where some of the friction is. Right, we can already do that. We can predict that a calendar for it could be a friction for our step kid, and as a step kid to know, hey, I can look up the Google calendar. My kids are eight and ten. They have Chromebooks. That's a choice we made. They can look up our calendar and and say, okay, where are we, where am I, and what meetings, what are important, what's important to me at this time, because that's something that they can support me with, when they have classes, I know what's important to them, you know, so I just think it's a space inside of Workflow Foundations, where I've given you this outline, and and the training will go through all of this, I I mean, we're just sort of talking within an aspects of having a blended family, but I just think it's a consistency that um, heads off a lot of frustration that we know might already be there, so.
0: Yeah, You know, that's really, I I was writing down some notes as you were talking, consistent space is what comes out and kids flow. And so there's a reason so far, so good that nobody's opened the doors behind us and walked in on the podcast because we've let the family knows, right? That, Hey, we're recording a podcast. So now would be not the greatest time for you to walk in. Although my husband has made a guest appearance without my knowledge on a podcast or two,
1: (laughs) in behind me. Which is oh, you know, that's the that's the adaptability of the way that this is, right? Okay, come on in, husband.
0: That's right. That's right. But I would say that um the thing that kept coming up is that we do have a lot of norms that we have already put into place that we are deciding whether or not we're aware that we've decided. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying that we have already decided. So if you think about your day, if you always go get a cup of coffee at a certain time. that's part of this framework or priority that you have put into your day. Or if you go run at the same time every day, or you go to the gym or you uh, do your Bible study, whatever it is that you're doing at the same time, you're putting a boundary around that time, if you will, and you're making it a priority. And now we know that we all deal with procrastination uh, and, and delaying doing those things that we don't particularly like. And when I go way back to when we started, here's a point that I want people to catch that when you're asking them, when you have a day that goes this way, how do you feel? That's what we really want to capture this pain point. There are many pain points that we create on our own, that what I hear you saying is that we have the control Uh, And really the responsibility to say, no, uh, we can manage that pain point by doing these things. So when you talk about a a Google drive or using a Chromebook to look on a calendar, it's, it's really um, a lot like what, whatever your court order or slash parenting plan is. I think each state calls it something a little different, but you already have a framework there. And when you talked about friction points Holy moly, yes, there are lots of friction points that when you lay things out, you can say, okay, I recognize a friction point. I'm going to use an obvious one here and say that the custody exchange can be a friction point. Every parenting plan or court order out there has this, you do not use the kids to give information back and forth to the other parent, or you don't use, um, you don't say certain things in front of the kids, right? Right. And so one of the boundaries that I'm going to recommend that really is all part of this framework that you've been talking about is that when you do a custody exchange, remember that it's not actually about you. It's about the kid. So this is not a good time to have a one-on-one conversation with your ex-spouse because (laughs) that creates a lot of anxiety for the kid who's transitioning back and forth. They're in the car waiting, or they're looking out the window waiting And uh, a lot of these situations are high conflict. So you can make that a boundary or a priority to say that on custody exchange days, we are pre-deciding and therefore we are removing the angst associated with anything that can go wrong with the custody exchange, because we already know that it's about the kid. We've made that decision. And so I think that's one of many examples where planning these things out in advance is really a great idea.
1: I love that. Perfect example all the way. Um, And in addition, just to add on what you're saying, um, again, you already know that this is going to be something that you're going to have to do over and over and over again. That's a, a decision that the family has made. So create how this works. Maybe that is the day of that exchange by you know, you can decide on what works best, but by 9am, you've already sent over a text message or an email about some specifics. You've already submitted, you'll say the conversation that you need to have with your ex spouse about whatever the transfer is and allow that time to be um, less stressful for everybody. If you're If your child is going to move from one family to another, it's obviously already stressful, but making that a situation where they can still have that relationship is really, really healthy. Um, I know in my own as a stepkid, my parents, they got along well in front of me. I didn't, I didn't feel this anxiety between them. And so there wasn't an anxiety when I was going to spend time with my dad and my stepmom, there was just this great, we get to go spend time with these people. Um, and I was able to take that as opposed to moving through, you know, some friction. And and should I, who, who? I don't want to pick sides at that point. You know, I'm eight. I, I I need to just be focused on the fact that I am in. I am loved by not one dad and one mom, but two dads. And you know, it's like I have a family over here and I have a family over here. My my dad and my stepmom love me. My mom and my stepdad love me. And I'm able now to take all of that and 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 use that as uh, a feature that enhances my life. So without that understanding and making sure that friction doesn't happen between um, exes, it's just the way that you can mitigate some of that. And also, as you were talking, I was thinking also, sometimes um, we don't necessarily, I'm trying to say this in a way that I, we don't always necessarily want to take that bigger person step. Now I'm a natural leader. I would take that step and say, I don't really care for the way that you are, but I am a bigger person and I'm going to create a consistency for the kids. And I'm going to step out and say, I would like us to do this. And I have this space in my mind where I always want to kill them with kindness. That sounds really bad, but it's also a space where it's like, I want to be that person that God's created me to be. And how do I want to live my life? and this is how I want to live my life. I want to live this with kindness. And I'm going to sit here and say, okay, husband, ex-husband, whoever it is, this is the way we're going to do things. And I think it's best because of this, please, you know, if you agree, or you want to discuss it, let's talk about it, but be that bigger person to step out and to create that consistency for yourself and for them and for your child. Um, I just think it's, it's a healthy way to do that. And if you're new to it, just think about your how again? How is your feeling when a custody exchange goes well, and how is your feeling when a custody exchange is put in some kind of torment? And that's not exactly the feeling that you want to have.
0: You know what? That's such a great example of this small envisioning. So we talked earlier about this—the power of a vision and moving in a direction and and looking towards an outcome that we want to achieve versus this. How am I going to get to the outcome? And so what you just gave there was such a great example of that. If you can. If you can think about that, so in a custody exchange, we know these happen. Okay, so this is the best example. And they happen all the time. And so how do That's you want to
1: practice? To
0: <laughs> That's right. How do you want to feel? And not just how do you want to feel, but what do you want your kids slash stepkids to experience when they're quote unquote onboarding? into this home. So it's very similar to when you're um, applying for a new job, you get the job, they have this onboarding process, and they give you an outline, here are the steps that are going to happen. And you want that from them, because you want to know what to expect. You want to know, do I have benefits? What kind of health benefits do I have? How much vacation do I have? And and so we this all the time in our day-to-day world. So to take the position, wait, I'm not a planner. This is not exactly what I do. I would say that the world has a lot of frameworks that you already conform to or that you expect. And so taking this one custody exchange event, if it's contentious right now, I think this one thing, if you could modify this and so envision how you want it to be, how you and your partner and your kids, how you want everyone to feel in the exchange and then begin to pray about that. God, give me the wisdom to move from where we are to where we want to go, because we want this to be a good process and the impact of that on other decisions. Like that's a small win. And you and I, you and I, I know are about small wins because we got to build the confidence up. Okay. We can do this. And so as we practice, uh, doing these things, we're going to get better at them for sure. So it's such a great example. Thank you I for that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So I have, I don't know, six or seven other topics that I want to share. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm, going to one.
0: <laughs> I'm going to pick one based on our discussion and we'll just get together again. We'll just do another podcast. That's what we'll Absolutely. do. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> That's exactly what we're going to do. We have lots to talk about.
0: We do. Okay. So I had written down and I had asked you about this. Is it okay to talk about, and you've been so generous with sharing um, things that are easy for you, talking about your superpower, which I would call adaptability, <laughs> uh, not organization, but adaptability. I think it's even more powerful than organization because I think organization is encompassed in this adaptability. Uh, but I had written this note from our podcast pre-interview this, what is this? I said, Marie, what is this daring greatly this vulnerability slash shame? And as you were giving me some background on that, I said, okay, this is something that we want to bring up on the podcast. So would you talk about that? Because I know that many stepkids are dealing with shame and confusion in who they are because of what the grownups are deciding for their lives,
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah. This gets to be like a little vulnerability of um, as a step kid, but I feel like those that are listening, even those that are, are parenting stepchildren, um, first, it it creates a space in which we have great conversations that only step kids can have. Which I feel like, you know, if you are in a blended family, you are in a space that you can create amazing human beings. And that was when Jen asked me to come on here. I just feel like as stepkids, we have this innate adaptability because we are moving from house to house. We are moving from place to place. Um, And we understand that the world is going to change. As adults, we kind of already get that, but we are enabling enabling our, our younger generations of stepkids to understand that they have the ability to be adaptable and it's a necessity inside of life. So I feel like I want to kind of make that correlation um when jen and i were talking and this came up about shame and and where does this come from um it kind of hit deep and i was i looked really deep inside introspectively to say how how and why is this such a passion for me to create this 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 framework in which i can move through life and it came down to the fact that um when my parents had me um my mom was 17 and my dad was almost 30. And my dad was at the time married to somebody else. So I didn't really put all of these things together. Not that all relationships are like that at all. Like, I don't want to say that, but it was around college time where I was like, who am I to even be alive? Like why in the world am I here? And I, I started to carry this bit of of shame about being born Um, Not that my parents put it on me at all. And that's what Jen and I were talking about. My parents didn't say that to me ever. It just, I put these things together in my, in my child mind before I had got into uh, through all the developmental stages. And that's a whole nother conversation that we can have, but you have these developmental stages and you don't really hit that peak until you're 24. So I was Through three divorces, my mom had just divorced her last husband when I was 19. I went straight into the military. I went straight from the military into college and I was wrestling a lot with how and who I am. Um, And I found this bit of shame that I started to carry around. I didn't even know that it was there. It wasn't even really something that brought up, but I just felt like my parents did something. and, And it's because of that, that I'm here. And it was, you know, that's an affair. That's negative. That's not something that God has called us to do. And I carried it around for a while. And as I was talking with Jen about this, it came to this point. There's this defining, I'm getting chills talking about this, by the way. Um, but there is this defining point in my life where God spoke straight to me and I completely believe this. And he spoke through a woman that was at a Bible study with me. Um, I was a military wife. I had two kids. I was in um, a chapel on a Wednesday afternoon going through this Bible study. And this lady looks at me and she says, well, my daughter is the oldest because God has called her to be the oldest. And it was just this moment where I was able to take, God has put me here as this oldest child inside of this life to because he knew i could handle it because not not handle it by myself but because i am the person that i am um and it just relieved all of this stress and all of this shame that i had been carrying around about being the oldest about being in this you know a creation of something that wasn't necessarily ethical at the time um and stepping into that power and saying i'm here for a reason and i think it's super powerful to know that If I would have had this conversation way back in my younger childhood, eight, 10 years old, when I was actually starting to understand as we were moving in and out of multiple relationships and my mom was divorcing again and back, and is it me? I don't know. You know, as a stepkid, if I would have had this conversation with an adult that I trusted, I could have probably stated that in some way. And that adult could have said, it's not your fault. This is not something that you have to carry. This is not a burden for you. This is something that we can pray about and you can you can talk with God about and you can let it go. Um, and so not faulting anybody that was in my life, but at the time, I just understand that if I can share this story with somebody else and you see those um, signs, or maybe you can see just the situation and that child can't necessarily state that this is what they're feeling, just having those tough conversations with them might allow them to open up and to... Um, their superpower, whatever that might be. And you you can open up that door for them if you just initiate this conversation. So at this point, you know, my family is amazing. My dad, my stepmom, you know, my mom, all of us are great. And I've been able to kind of let this go um, and then really step into creating a business now that allows me to be confident in who I am because I am who I am. Does that make sense? So
0: yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I it reminds me of this lovely, impromptu conversation that I had uh, with uh, a couple who's now becoming friends of me and my husband. And we share some things in common. And she grew up as a stepkid. And something that she said to me, you know how you have those powerful, vulnerable conversations with strangers, things just come out? And she shared so much about her experience as a step, as a step kid. And she reminded me that she's still a step kid, even though she's an adult and her kids are having kids now, she's still a step kid. And she looked at me straight eyeball to eyeball because I had shared some things with her too, about my experiences as a step mom. And she said, I want to let you know that a lot of it is not about you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <gasps> What? And she said, it is a lot of it is what the kids are experiencing and that they don't have people to talk to. So I I love what you said about this. um, What? Gosh, you said so many powerful things. This is one that I wrote down. You said, I was through three divorces. It reminds me of when my kids said to me, Mom, you divorced dad but we can't divorce dad and i had never really looked at it that way before and so you're coming from this beautiful place of using it to grow your your business not just your business i mean that your business is a natural outcome outcome of you choosing to use your experiences in a way that is nurturing and maturing and growing and applying what you've learned in a powerful way that encourages other people to say, even though you are experiencing some tough things, it's an opportunity for you. I I don't think stepkids hear that, that you've got this power to be a, a, a positive contributing member to your step family And, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way because they are, because they have gone through the divorces. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so you're a step-parent out there, or if you made somebody a (laughs) step-parent, congratulations, you're in it together. Uh, And it's important to understand that there are transitions that the kids are going through that they may not be able to talk about, and they don't necessarily need a counselor or a therapist although they might, because blending is traumatic, because usually when you blend, there's some sort of loss or trauma that occurred, whether it's a death of a parent, and then a remarriage, or whether it's divorce and remarriage, however it is that you got to blended, typically, there's some trauma, or some majorly not so great event that happened. And so I think it's important that we honor that. So whether or not there's professional counseling that's needed. There is a need for space for the kids to share what their experience is. That's what I hear you saying.
1: Absolutely. And I think that um you know as a as a, a step kid, just having that trusted person, because like you said, there's there's this trauma of a breakup. Um, and whether that's because I I had to, I had to break up with my dad. Like we moved across the country. Like I, that breakup became mine as well. So when I say we divorced, we did, like I went through three divorces with my mom. I remember all of them and I remember the feelings that go along with it. And that's not true for everybody. You know, thankfully there's so many families that are able to, um, you, be inside the same city. That wasn't my experience, um, but having their parents close is really great. And it's also um, just that that ability and that reminder that if you are a safe person and you can help that step kid understand that we don't have to talk about anything, but I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to be close to you. That is the biggest gift that you can give all the time, every time. Um, and and maybe that is that it's a stepmom to a stepchild. Maybe that is that it's a grandparent to a, a kid that's going through a different divorce. Maybe that's just an older sibling who just can relate to the fact that this younger sibling is having a traumatic thing. Um, I had in my mom's second marriage, I had older step siblings. At one time, we had seven kids in the house between the age of fifteen and two. So it was it was quite a big age range, but my older siblings could relate to what I was feeling at eight at that point. And, and not that, um, you know, I, I felt like they were safe people. We were, we lived together for seven years until our parents decided to end it. But just having that person and say, okay, you understand like stepchildren or children in general, siblings in general, they remember childhood the way that it is, you know, they all remember the same childhood. And so like when I talk to my sister and my brother, now they remember the same childhood I did and we can relate to each other. So I'm just saying like create a space where there is a safe person and that child can just say, say something when it comes up. I, I don't, again, like you said, it's not that people have to go through counseling or have to set something up, but just becoming that safe person and understanding and giving that, especially as the oldest, I didn't necessarily get this permission to feel that way or to state how I felt until very recently in the last couple of years and to take on the fact that I don't have to take on the burdens of all of my family. I mean, you know, I'm almost, I'm 40 now, almost 40. So it's like, I don't have to keep on taking on all the burdens of my family. Um, And to let that go, if I could have let that go 20 20 years ago or 30 years ago, how would that have felt and how would my life be different? I don't know. I'm just knowing that I I know that as a child to have somebody to talk to that I trusted could have made a difference. So that's why we're talking about stepkids in general and why I'm here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, definitely to give that perspective. And you've been so generous with your time and vulnerable to something that's been that's come to mind as you were talking that place or that person I don't want to go too far down this direction because it it is a, I, I'd love to connect with some pastors and have conversations about this, but remember this, apply this, if you will, to church going that you have some kids who are there every other week. And so you're dealing with ministry people who are frustrated because the kids don't participate. So if they're teenagers, they may not be participating in the way that you would like to begin with, right? Running youth group is challenging enough, but then when you have these kids that they come every other week, it, it, it goes back to what uh, this friend told me that, Jen, is not about you at all as a stepmom. It's about them dealing with their situation. The same thing with these stepkids, these blended kids, is probably the better way to say it, mm-hmm. is that they're going back and forth. And so they've got to readjust all the time. And so for them to engage and actively participate in a youth kind of forum is difficult because they're not being built into in the same way every single week. And so they don't have the same relationships that other kids do. And we know that's a tricky age. Youth group can be tricky. Uh, I mean, we're all sinners. So, you know, being a Christian sinner is (laughs) still a sinner, right? (laughs) Because we're very flesh driven, flesh oriented, uh, particularly during that time. So I just want to ask that if you are a layperson or a minister, or pastor in a church, that I'm going to encourage you to look at blended families with a different eye, uh, because 40% of the families in your church are blended, and so if you're not ministering to them, acknowledging that there these are normal transition points for the for the blended kids, you're not ministering to 40% of your church, which is huge. So the mm-hmm. things that you shared today. Gosh, so powerful. So I would say, you know what? If you are in ministry, you can go on ahead and you can uh, download these workflow foundations and do them with a perspective of blended. In your church, and just see what that does for you. I'd love to know. I'd love to hear it. And you can email me at hello at stepfamilypodcast.com and let me know what you've discovered Uh, because I know that there needs to be this growing movement towards awareness in our churches that families are struggling. And when you talk about marriage in general or being a kid in general, There's a nuance there that it's not, it may be subtle to you, but if you're in a blend, it's not subtle at all. It's very glaring that we're not being ministered to.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I want to say one more thing, just kind of on the minister side of things, even though you don't see this child consistently week after week, know that every single one of your touch points is important. Every time you can listen, every time you can see them and be excited that you that they're there, is important. I know that was a huge thing in my youth, um, especially through my mom's last marriage. I was in a Methodist church youth group, and we didn't go all the time because of all of whatever reasons were around. Um, but the people that were there were important, and when I was there, I was welcomed and I was loved, and I wasn't. You know, I didn't have that shame of being like, oh, well, you missed last week, so you can't participate this week. You know, not that people do that, but there are there are places in in a, a step kid's life where it will be like that. You know, they will be, they'll miss a, a soccer game or they'll miss something else that that they might feel that. So know that we have a power, especially as youth ministers, to welcome and love and create this this safe space and they'll build on each other, right? Because every time you're putting in this little love into this child and it will create something amazing um, if we just keep the consistency for, for them as much as possible.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Gosh, we've covered a lot of things. Uh, I'm going to ask you for your Here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you if you were speaking to a 10 year old blended kid, uh, what note of encouragement would you have for them if they're struggling right now?
1: Oh, a 10 year old uh, myself. Let's see. Um, That it's that the family that you're in loves you deeply in every way. Um, And The struggles that you're going through now um, might seem extremely big and really hard to get over, but the hurdles that you move through will create a deeper and and more well-rounded person for society. And as Christ followers, you become that mission um, to move into the next phase of life. It doesn't seem easy now. Um, I understand that, but trust in the people who are are closest to you and be vulnerable enough to let them know when you need a hug and when you need to just sit close to them um, and to be confident in who you are as a part of that family to speak up if you need something.
0: Wow. It's so good. So good. <laughs>
1: All right, my friend Marie Mac,
0: <laughs> what a great, great podcast. So I'm going to give you an opportunity uh, just to direct people where they can go to learn more about First Cup to Close uh, or this Workflow Foundation. So please go ahead and invite people in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would love to answer questions about how to um use workflow foundations uh, at any point. Yeah, you know, I'll have Jen put my email address in, but you can go to um firstcuttoclose.com forward slash workflow dash foundations. And again, we'll put that link inside of our show notes here. But you can download the training for free. Again, this is a three-part training where I walk you through each in every step that we talked about today. Um, I'm looking at it from a business perspective, but I'm happy to modify it a little bit more from whatever you need to inside a lifestyle. I have lots of different clients who have used this inside of their lifestyle to make consistency and um, uh, take away some of the anxiety that becomes life. So um, com forward slash workflow dash foundations, and you can download this for free.
0: Wow. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the podcast and I'm sure we're going to get together again. I can't wait to hear the feedback on this one. So, so helpful. Thank you for loving Great. from a step kid perspective and encouraging uh, step kids, especially. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jen. Do things in your step family seem impossible right now? You got a difficult ex. Let's simplify things together. Are your step kids not blending? Let's connect so you can blend. Is there role confusion in your step family? Let's clarify things together. Here at stepfamilypodcast.com, there are coaching opportunities, boot camps, and special trainings and prayer groups so that you can kick stepfamily chaos to the curb and create your own unique stepfamily mission possible. I'd love to connect with you. Check us out at stepfamilypodcast.com. If you have any questions, go ahead and email me at hello at stepfamilypodcast.com dot com.